0: And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy The Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. 2008. The prequel trilogy is over, and millions of fans are left without Star Wars. Enter a brave group of Jedi, led by Dave Filoni, who brought tales of the Jedi, Clone Armies, and Mandalorians to Cartoon Network, thus keeping hope alive in the galaxy. Welcome to J-Guys and Jedi!
1: Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of Star Wars The Clone Wars. In this episode... The battle for Mandalore continues, and Ahsoka finds herself face-to-face with Spiky Boy. There will be... Maul is right! Maul is right! Maul is freaking right, you guys! He is right! Maul, Darth Maul, is right! We are talking about the Phantom Apprentice this week. How you doing, Chris?
2: Good. Darth Maul is right a good amount of time. Of the time. you You know...
1: I didn't note it, but Dave Filoni was saying that he loves villains that actually tell the truth.
2: <laughs> he's, on a, he's on his own. He's only serving his own agenda. So he definitely massages the truth for his own agenda. But he's much more at liberty to say anything he wants about, you know, any any side at all. He, you know, he's not playing for the dark side or the light side. He's playing for the dark sides, like, internally. Sort of, but he's not, you know, he's not really working on Sidious's agenda after he got his cut in half. <laughs> he, and he's not, he's not even really playing into it. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's, yeah, he's, he has the freedom to, uh, yeah, a lot of fr- the, I'm going to be talking about people's freedom to talk in this episode.
1: Mm-hmm. I am, yeah, I'm very excited. This, this is my favorite episode of season seven. Like, I think this is hands down the best episode, um, the best made, the best story, like the best yeah. everything. I this this episode is so good. <laughs> oh, I'm actually just ready to get into it. Well, did you have a good week, Chris? I did. That's good. Did you? You said we're saying it snowed today.
2: It did. Uh, we just got a little dusting here in the city, but the outskirts and out in the country got a couple inches. Lots of videos of people's dogs running out in the snow.
1: I can't imagine it snowing in November. <laughs> it never snows here. We're lucky if it snows here. We I could still snow.
2: have a couple temperate days, but yeah, it's pretty much winter now. It's daylight. It's it's dark now. You know, it's dark by seven o'clock now.
1: Actually, in my last week, I had the opposite. Uh, we had uh, Tropical Storm Zeta come through, and we actually lost power for like like 14-ish hours. I, I woke up, oh gosh, what morning was it? It, was, it had to be Thursday morning, because I was supposed to be editing that, that day. So I woke up Thursday morning with no power, and uh, we didn't get power back till like 8 o'clock that night, and we still have to get a couple trees surveyed, because we had some trees break, but they're leaning on other trees, so they haven't quite fallen into our driveway yet. But we're gonna have to get those looked at, or else we're gonna have trees blocked in. But yeah, like we uh, we had the opposite. We had tropical. We had a tropical storm. Uh-huh. Tropical. So, um, we had
2: cold rain and snow.
1: We had warm air, and now it's cold. It's actually cold outside now. I think it's supposed to be like in the 50s tonight. Shut up, it's cold. That's cold in Georgia.
3: <laughs> it's balmy here.
1: <laughs> but yeah, other than that, I had a really good week. I just finished editing Allegro Non-Tropo. Oh,
2: that mm-hmm. must have been fun.
1: It was really fun. Um, for uh, Just so listeners know, that's uh, the special where Chris made Hope watch a cartoon in our other podcast, Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons. Um, Coming soon, it's- apparently. Yeah, it's definitely out um, with the, for the patrons. It might actually might be out in the public feed by this time, too. So um, I think you're going to enjoy it, Chris. It was a lot of fun to go back through. And I put in music at certain points, So and I redid the opening. So yeah, it was a really fun watch. Yay. So. And also, I'm just tired. To date this episode, the election is tomorrow, guys. So I'm just tired. <laughs> I'm very tired right now. Good luck, everyone! You know, this episode's out in the future. Good luck! Well, you ready to talk about some Clone Wars?
2: Uh, what do you think? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, and that's the end of the show. Good night, uh, everyone.
2: Not today.
1: Yeah, no, well, maybe, maybe maybe, tomorrow. No. Monday
2: doesn't seem like a very Clone Wars day to me. <laughs>
1: It's been Clone Wars Day for five years. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. All right, well, you ready? I'm ready. <clears throat> the Phantom Apprentice, a.k.a. my favorite episode of the season, is the 131st episode of Star Wars The Clone Wars, and it aired on April 24th, 2020. It was written by Dave Filoni and directed by Nathan Villanova. Some extra information for you. Ray Park reprised his role as Maul for providing the motion capture in the fight with Ahsoka. Lauren Mary Kim provided the motion capture for Ahsoka in the same fight. She is a professional stuntwoman, including being both the stuntwoman for Omera and the Armorer in The Mandalorian. This is the first time in the entire series where there is no Voice of War newsreel opening with Tom Kane, even though he is still credited for it in this episode.
2: You know why? Because it's one movie.
1: It's a big old movie. It only
2: needs one intro, and that's why he gets credit for all four, because they're just all the one piece.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: This episode conflicts with what had been previously written in the Ahsoka novel. E.K. Johnston had written on the Siege of Mandalore based on interviews and celebration reveals from Dave Filoni, but the Lucasfilm Story Group had not shared intimate details with her prior to writing the novel. In the Ahsoka novel, Ahsoka manages to capture Maul in a ray shield with the help of the clones. In this episode, however, Ahsoka knocks Maul off a narrow beam and uses the force to capture him. Additionally, the novel states that Ahsoka fights with green lightsabers, while in this episode, her lightsabers are blue. When Maul is shown talking to the crime syndicate leaders of the Shadow Collective, you can briefly see Dryden Voss of Crimson Dawn, who first appeared in Solo, A Star Wars Story, and was played by Paul Bettany. Because the Shadow Collective members were added very late in the animation phase, they didn't have a full model ready for Dryden Voss. His character model is based on background Mandalorian citizen, a Mandalorian minister, but he has Obi-Wan's hair! <laughs> So, yay, Obi-Wan hair. Yay. (laughs) And finally, um, if you ever get a chance to watch it, there's a really great behind-the-scenes video um, of the motion capturing of the fight of Maul and Ahsoka. Ray Park actually designed the choreography himself to account for Maul's disability and age. Ashley Eckstein and Sam Whitwer were both there to watch the motion captured sections too to help with their vocal performances. And it's a really cool video, you guys. Um, I really can only do so much explaining it. Um, Please look it up, it's just a really cool, like them talking and walking their way through the motion capturing process and and seeing like the stunts and stuff. So highly, highly recommend. You know who I don't highly recommend? Oh. Of course, I, I'm just kidding, Yoda. You're highly recommended in many points of the red light district. Oh,
0: yes. Y- Yoda has many good ratings. Yes.
1: Your red light district Yelp is off the charts.
0: Yoda's Yelp is very good. Very good. A few <laughs> trolls on a few trolls on Yoda's Yelp. Pay no mind.
1: Trolls need. I was about to say trolls need love too, but fuck them. Oh,
0: Yoda gave bad advice. Oh.
1: <laughs> Yoda told me not to go save my sister and my friends. Ugh.
0: Yoda only gives dating advice.
1: Yoda told me not to burn the sacred texts. Mm. I just love this idea that Yoda, that Luke Skywalker just writes nothing but bad reviews of other Jedi.
0: Luke Skywalker's <laughs> been been blocked from Yoda's Yelp.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. Luke- Yoda
0: book burner, yes.
1: Luke writes bad Yelp reviews for other Jedi to make more kids go to his school, and it's a sabotage tactic <laughs> to make stupid, other children go to
0: his school. Jedi charter school. Yes.
1: Right. <laughs> well, um, so Yoda, I didn't write a question this week only because last week to continue with the Clone Wars um, feeling and mood, um, Chris is providing us a fortune cookie to oh. have the. Um, platitude this week and we might as well continue that and also hope forgot to write a question
0: Yoda will read Oh, tiny 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 writing yes Yoda must put on his reading glasses tiny kyber crystals in Yoda's reading glasses hate them
1: that sounds dangerous hate (laughs)
0: them make Yoda look like Urkel It's, it's a good thing that life is not as serious as it seems to the waiter. In bad What? Who is waiter? Some, somebody who waits.
1: Is, is it spelled like, like, like waiter? Like a, like a.
0: Yes.
1: What? Can you read it one more time?
0: <laughs> Yoda will read one more time. Make Thank some you. sense out of this, Yoda will it's a good thing that life is not as serious as it seems to the waiter in bed waiter knew about fortune cookie I was,
1: I was about mm, to waiter, say, waiter
0: trying to help himself mm.
1: that waiter. sounds like a, like a fortune cookie that somebody who works as a waiter made <laughs> okay that was Okay.
0: <laughs> Yoda will go now.
1: Yes, we have to talk about the best episode of the season. Bye, Yoda. We love you. Bye.
2: See ya, Yoda.
1: Bye. Get out of here. Let's do this. All right. What are the commentary rules, for In case for some all reason right. someone's joining us.
2: Let me dig up. I've got all these windows here, windowing this whole thing out. Okay. The commentary rules are: you get your file of Star Wars: The Clone Wars, season seven, episode ten, "The Phantom Apprentice," and you get it all ready to play on whatever you're playing it on, and you set it at zero zero. And then I will do a countdown from three, and when I say go, you press that little pointy button, that little triangle button that we all mean. No means go now.
1: And it's a it's a three two one go, not a three we, two one.
2: It's the it's three, two, one, go. And when I say the words go, you push the little buttons that look like um thrawn's lapels on I was its... about to say the same thing <laughs> You push your thron lapel and make the movie go. All right. And hoping and I will blabity blab over it. Me. All the way through every second all right you ready you guys because i know i am and i know hope is and, and i know you guys can just play this at any time so i know you're ready all right here we go it's time to go it's time to start it's gonna happen now three two one go
1: yay i do like the lack of the voice of war though i think that's a really cool touch
2: i paid extra attention this time and they even cut like all this music here. Like these are made. You can just clip, clip this part off, and and stick it right on the end of the last scene in the in the last one. And and you've got two parts of a movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. You got the first hour of the movie.
1: I actually, um, that was something that was in the notes that they purposely also altered the opening title to. Um, hey, uh, ah, Spiky familiar boy. Spiky like boy. Um, he they was at also... the
2: Mandalorian this week. Yes,
1: Maul was?
2: Sam Whitmore.
1: Where was Sam Whitmore in the Mandalorian? He was
2: one of the guys walking by in the back. He was a guy in the town walking Wait, around in the background. Was he? Yes, he was.
1: How did I miss
2: that. I don't know how you miss that. I mean he looks like a guy in the I mean he doesn't look like Darth Maul he looks like the voice actor plays Darth Maul in a in makeup and he's not an alien he's just a guy with sort of a little mullet going on sort of like a permy mullet going on uh, I don't see yep.
1: anything
2: uh, he's one of the townspeople anyway
1: I don't see that Anyway. do all is right, everybody. All
2: is right. For this is a point on. This is like in the Harry Potter books where everybody started um, feeling free to say the name Voldemort. Mm. He's just like screw it. He, he's like he's like trying to get Kenobi to get Skywalker, and now he's like, all right, I've got to see if maybe this maybe this one is an even better bet. See,
1: like this was um, I, I was having a very long conversation with. Megan about Maul and what's interesting is he still has this kind of, like this moment right here, he chokes up saying his name and there's still that underlying fear of him there which is I think Maul afraid is a very telling Maul because
2: Maul should be afraid of Obi-Wan (laughs) Kenobi well
1: well, no like afraid, afraid of Sidious, afraid of what's happening and I think scared Maul is a scary Maul. Like that is, it it says so much about the impact of what's happening and what's changing. You know, you don't see Maul scared very often. And, but when he is scared, usually shit is going down.
2: Well, it's, it's something like, it's something it's, 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 it's the Sith's time. So if you're Sithy, Things are, like, he's feeling the motion of... But it was, in the prequels, it was made pretty clear, like, the Jedi are just clueless. Ahsoka is, like, at the phase with Maul where she's just, like... Anything he says, she's just like, yeah, this is just, this is some Sith guy. They're always full of shit. I don't think
1: that. I don't think that about that. Um, Well, I I think
2: at this point, there's a point in here where she realizes... He ain't full of shit, and even, like, I, you know, even though she doesn't seem to really want to accept it, I'm sure she's got her, I, I, I think her she's... doubts about Anakin, you know, when he's just, like, Anakin's the, you know, Palpatine's mm. boy, and she's just like, no, that's not the Anakin I know. But, like, part of her is like, well, I don't know, I've seen some shit with Anakin. <laughs>
1: Especially this moment when he says that Count Dooku is dead, that Anakin killed him. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I, I don't fully agree, but I also don't fully disagree. I see what you're saying, but I think a lot of with Ahsoka is, she's definitely in this point where she can see a lot more clearer than a lot of other people. Um. I think she might be being outside of the... Being outside... Oh, my God, I have to just say about the scene though i love this scene with obi-wan and ahsoka i feel like this is the closest obi-wan gets a chance to apologize for all the shit that happened
2: yeah and look um, at the look he gets at the end that she gives him that look is amazing she's just like Rrrr.
1: i don't see it that way chris oh.
2: wait it's it's coming up it's I, the one sort of old over her shoulder she's not believing she's 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 sketchy on everybody at this point, you know.
1: I don't see it as sketchy. I I've I'll do, this is one of my pin notes that I'll definitely come back to. But to what I was saying about that, like I think Ahsoka being so removed from everything in the Jedi and having been removed for a while, I think she can actually see a lot more clearer and sense yeah. that there are changes that are happening, which I well, think is what makes her wanna like actually at first totally agree with Maul. She says, "I will join you." Um and I, I think it's because of that. So I, I don't actually necessarily agree with what you were saying. I think she's
2: trying to. The I will this join is, you is like. This she, is
1: the Obi Wan apology right here. The council isn't always right. I, that's why I'm and so. that's why he's asking her for help. That's the closest Obi Wan ever gets to an apology. You had best go. Was that the that, right, or that no, I. No, right
2: heard? here. I will. When he says, I will see that that right there she's what emotion like, is. i i think that was like i i i i think she's not exactly sure that what what anakin thinks he's gonna tell obi-wan and what she thinks is he's gonna tell obi-wan are the same thing and she's uh, i think she was just sort of like hey wait you know maybe you sh- you know i i i think she had a little just like listen man don't tell me what i'm thinking because it, it might not be it might not be the same thing it might be I don't we it's left unsaid but it could but it could be several it could be several different things you know and she's just sort of like uh, and but a lot of it could have been like how much does in that look could it's just like it's just like um, fives look it could be read so many ways she could just be processing the information but there I mean
1: kicks Kicks in the bad batch art. Six.
2: Uh, the no. I'm talking about. I'm talking or I'm talking about or not fives. Um. um Ticks. No. I'm. Um,
1: no. I'm sorry. Uh, Echo.
2: Echo. Yes. That's what I'm talking about. E- uh, echoes. Can,
1: can, I, can I interject that I don't agree either? <laughs> with
2: that? Well, I mean, um, it could be taken different ways, but I like, you know. The, the, I think
1: that was actually the moment where the two of them came on the same page that they both have their their nerves about everything that's happening and I will be coming back to this Jesse scene by the way because by the time I get finished talking about Ahsoka this Jesse scene is going to be passed so this is another pinned scene that's incredibly important to the context of the entire season um, <laughs> so well, we'll come back to this that's the hard thing about like short episode commentaries by the time we miss up, finish one point we're like two scenes later yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah i know we should just stick it we should do the stick it keep the stick a pin in it um rule going
1: but i oh, i there's am uh,
2: not saxon
1: but i i just i don't see that i think that's the one moment where obi-wan and Anakin, uh, ahsoka are finally coming together and it is the water under the well bridge they're, yeah the they're apology. Com-
2: they are they're oh, coming together is over
1: so sassy in this scene
2: He's, he's doing his, he's doing his thing, and, and I think Maul, you know, to, you know, Maul as a pawn himself feels a degree of, you know, I mean, he's mind raping him right here, and this is one of the most, like, the way his head is moving in this, this scene coming up, it's just, this is one of the most evil looking Sith, oh, I guess, uh, maybe I'm Maybe I'm thinking of another scene, but that that's like a pretty, that's, I mean, that's, I thought that was more intense. I have than to when, point
1: out something right here. If they closed this door, Almyk would probably still be alive, <laughs> but they yeah. leave the door open. <laughs> it's quite, it's
2: quite a, it's quite a shot that they take right over these guys' shoulders Yeah. to get him. But you know, that's classic Star Wars. Spoiler ahead, guys. If you're... You shouldn't be watching this for the first time with us talking about, like, the Mandalorian and starting to get in our arguments over it. You should have already watched it by now. What's the matter with you?
1: Almec has purple eyes. Has he always had purple eyes? Why? I don't know. Wow. Huh. Sorry, I I never noticed that he had purple eyes before. I do like this line of, Bo, make him remember. Like, that's a not-a-Jedi line. And I like that because it kind of pushes that little nod of she's not a Jedi anymore. She's like, no, Bo, you can beat him up. Go for it. I I actually didn't write a lot of, too many notes about Bo-Katan. Um, but I love this entire chase scene. I think it shows, like, how cool she is. My favorite shot in particular is when she's holding the elevator with the jetpack. And I yes. just think it shows... A lot of kind of the future relationship that her and I think Gar is very interesting in these scenes too because this is all both of their setups for Rebels. Like that is this entire thing is Gar and Bo being set up for Rebels and their storylines there and I think that's a really, I think it's neat. I I like seeing these kind of early relationships being established. Plus they're flying through elevators with jetpacks, it's really awesome.
3: Yeah,
2: all all the fight sequences, and I wonder if some of the other fight sequences were were motion captured too. Uh, there, there's uh, there's a, another couple parts in here that I think look motion captured beside just that one fight. Not this one. Not this one in particular. This one's pretty consistent, uh, but like they're they're really going extra on the the set pieces and the Star Warsness mm-hmm. of it,
1: Mike. and i i hate that like this shot right here of her holding the elevator is so overlooked so much because of the big fight at the end but that is one of the best shots of the entire siege of Mantalore. <laughs> i'm sorry
2: it's interesting because i mean i mean look at that shot that's just in- insane they're uh, they're they're really <gasps> like is that pulpit?
1: I'm sorry I had to do it one more time when I was doing my instant reactions over on my YouTube channel I just remember loudly screaming is that Paul Bettany (laughs) and I like it I like it I like seeing these continued ties to Solo I think this does so much
2: Mandalorians are like Klingons like you you like can get them all wound up by telling them like (laughs) hey you know what Let's die warriors. And they're all just like, yes, put on my helmet. I'm going to go die. Like, they're just, they're motivated by the same thing.
1: (laughs) I'm going to put a pin in this scene, too. But I think this scene has a lot of, some implications for the Mandalorian. (laughs)
2: Hmm. Excellent.
3: Oh, I have so much for this episode. You don't even know
1: (laughs) You don't even know Honeywell. You're not supposed to die here in the gutters unless you're in the Mandalorian.
2: But Maul is such a... He's kind of a narcissist, and, like, almost everything that Maul is doing and saying, even though he's he is—he's given them their speech here, he's talking to himself <laughs> in a lot of ways. You
1: know? I mean, they're all pawns. He's like, yeah. yes, go die for me. And we see that, because later on in the episode, he's like, hello, bye, bitch!
2: <laughs> well, he, he's realized... He's realized Palpatine's gonna be the pawn master here, but he could still, you know, by being a Sith and 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 using everybody as pawns, which is funny. Well, it's I guess it's the cycle of abuse, but you know, I mean that's that's all that he ever like seems to be mad about and talk about is you know, being someone's pawn and being used and discarded. yet. Yeah. He's gonna do it over and over again
1: i mean the whole point of him sending them off to fight is so he can get the hell out, you know so he can talk to ahsoka and or yep. get the hell out of there that's yeah, it yeah yeah it's always like go fight so i can be have a distraction. oh this man is not straight no straight man sets like this while well, it's so sexy oh my god i love him right there i well, want they, to love they, him and he's so sexy hold on i'm thirsty <laughs> I'm drinking up this this man. Okay, what were you saying?
2: they set it up like a Conan cover, you know, mm-hmm. with with the clone is 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 where usually the sexy woman would be, you know.
1: This is actually it scared me because this is where Satine was. So I remember the first time I watched this, I was very scared that Jesse was about to die because when that's exactly where Satine was before she died, <laughs> and I was like, don't kill Jesse. No, he's
2: no, he he's very he he lets Jesse live because he's no he knows if he just kills him that's Ahsoka would not, yeah yeah that's oh, yes. not that he's he he did that as a gesture to Ahsoka. Oh,
1: I, I understand the narrative behind it, but I was still scared because it was set up as a foil to Sadie Teen's death. So it it rhymes at Star Wars.
2: Yeah, this is a very this is a very uh Return of the Jedi set up here with the emperor with the battle raging outside and making making his move while the battle rages outside and using the battle as like an illustration of his power while he he does this thing but like you know ahsoka is in that like when obi-wan started talking about using anakin as a spy for the emperor she's just like oh here we go jedi bullshit oh really you want me to fuck over anakin now you know and and now he's he's gonna lay enough truth on her to get her to, to think about it. But
3: uh-huh.
2: she, I, I like uh, my put a pin on it is like there's a like the um, um the the similarities and differences between Ahsoka's um um relationship with maul here in ezra's and how she and her reactions to to maul you know compared to say like what anakin's would be or or someone like anakin or you know most people he's dealt with i think she reacts to him a lot like ezra but she has a lot more like power and knowledge now than than ezra did you know wisdom than ezra did when he he had his dealings with maul but
1: I'll, yeah, definitely come back they, to that. They, they're very
2: similar, in their their confidence to resist him, but thinking that they could use him, and both of them so sort down. of successfully using him.
1: I love how their narrative foils. Like that's that's what Maul and Ahsoka are. They are narrative foils to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, where that's where Ahsoka, I think, is different from Ezra, because Ezra is not a foil to Maul. He is just a, a kid. But Ahsoka actually has so much in common with maul i also just want to note that i love that line about justice is in the power of who is the construct of whoever is in power that's such a good line good good line but
2: like yeah basically where are you gonna put me in jail who's jail
1: i mean (laughs) mean, uh, and that's that's a really good uh, line too that echoes back to last episode where maul is like every choice you've made have brought you up to this that's what anakin said to obi-wan um, she was like everything that Ahsoka has done has brought her back to us so I I, I continue to like these kind of threads of all these like these force those Force webs that we will see come to the end of, oh it's such a gorgeous shot
2: <laughs> this then, I mean you can just see this, sometimes
1: oh, oh it's so good this shot is gorgeous what were you saying
2: <laughs> it's a yeah it's a like you, sometimes you can see like where they've 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 kept the budget down to just like stoke it up up for scenes like this one that i mean all through the whole siege of mandalore but like you know that they they really sink i mean the detail of the glass behind them
1: actually uh something i was reading is one of the few characters that didn't get an updated model was maul this is his model from season i think season six um and they didn't update his character model like they did everybody else you
2: lie his skin seems to have a little extra detail into the the tattoos you know you can see parts where the tattoos where the ink's a little darker and stuff and sometimes it looks like sometimes it looks like he got magic markered
1: i think if he would have just said to lure him here with kenobi but didn't say the words Kill him, I think he would have ensnared Ahsoka right there, but because he flat out said that he was going to kill Anakin, that's where he lost her. Yeah. Ah, Maul, you mischoke your words, man. Yay, I love this fight. Ugh, I love this fight. It's so good. It's so good. This is my favorite fight. Ugh. It's so grounded, too. Like, literally grounded. I mean, that, uh, like, just like the little leg kicks there and it doesn't have the same parkouring feeling as so much of the other fights in clone wars which is a strength of it and... well i think it's
2: it's it's trying to harken back to i mean that first shot of him lighting his light is the iconic shot of him in episode 1 absolutely you know, which there... many people consider uh, not me but you know many people consider that like the highlight of of episode 1 and just like episode 1 they end up fighting in it's it's like a a more scaled up version of it and it might be because this is that's the way maul likes to fight but like in a sort of catwalk situation Mm -hmm. where you're on you know several layers of of thin things that you're jumping to and from so it's it's very and we're doing a lot of cutting back and forth like um like a lot of star wars movies but like especially episode one
1: Oh, I love that move.
2: And plus, you've got the, the, the
1: Looney Tunes. You've We're got to- the Looney Tunes. I love the Wily e. Coyote moment <laughs> and being thrown out the window with the lightsaber. <laughs> it makes me laugh every time. <laughs> Well, at
2: least, I mean, it's not pure Looney Tunes, or else it would just be it's in the shape of Darth Maul. It's enough to make Maul. me laugh
1: every time. But,
2: like, yeah. <laughs>
1: it's close enough to make me laugh every single time. <laughs> uh.
2: But there's some, I mean, just the, the, like, the realism, like, the movement and the lighting, just, like, going in and out of the lighting and the smoke and and everything. There's just an added level to where, it makes me. It almost reminds me of somewhere between the Star, the newer Star Wars video games, and just straight up, the CGI being almost movie level. You know, there's there's elements of this that could be no, dropped.
1: I think not. Low by bitch. <laughs> 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 and ball sex is like, wait. Ah. Right.
3: Uh. You are difficult to kill. Ah. Uh.
1: <laughs> I love, I love the imagery of this entire fight. Do you know why?
2: Because it's super cool.
1: That too, but it looks like a spider web. This is the spider web that they both have found themselves trapped in. Everything is crisscrossing, and they're pretty much just trying to. That's really what it's coming down to: is they're both just caught in Sidious's webs, just like everybody else is. And the all these images are very spidery um and it's it's so well done and all they're doing is trying to balance on this this razor edge of the republic as well everything is is
2: precarious
1: (laughs) yes and this is where the republic is as well it's all teetering and it's about to fall over the jedi are about to fall over um and there's so much symbolism and imagery and these kind of In in all of this, so. And I love the little nod that we're about to get to the Duel of the Fates in a second, where it's just like DUN DUN DUN! Ugh. No! Ah! Get him a second! Sokka, he's so hot. This right here. That That little musical nod to Duel of the Fates right there. And Rex gets to save the day! Rex gets to save the day! (laughs) Mm.
3: That's a
2: great shot.
1: That is a really great shot. It's almost,
2: almost photorealistic.
1: Again, never. Uh, Be careful, don't fall! And this is, again, a scared Maul is terrifying. Maul begging for death should scare everyone.
2: I don't quite buy that he would still be- would beg for death at this point, but, like, it sort of makes sense.
1: I mean, where are they going to take him? Back, to, the, back yeah. to Coruscant, where Sidious is.
2: Sidious will be like, oh, I did not know he was alive. Or, ah, he's finally come back to me and I knew he was alive yeah. all the time. I knew it all the time. But, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, of yeah,
3: course you Yeah, what are they going to do
2: with him? They, I mean, well, we know what they're going to do with him in next oh, episode, but, like... That but that, that's that that's more photo... Just,
1: yeah. Oh, 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 so good, so good, so good. <sighs> all right. Should we just go let's see let's
2: hit those notes
1: uh maybe i should just go straight down my long ass list
2: yeah i'll just throw in i've got little thing little tidbits here and there and i'll i'll just make sure i get all my stuff in
1: all right let me take out my spiderweb imagery (laughs) okay So I'm just going to go top to bottom. Uh, Of course, this is my favorite episode of the season. Um, I love the title of this episode, for one. The title of the episode is so clever because it is a beautiful callback to, of course, episode one. It is Maul's first appearance, so that's really nice. But it's also so subtle in a lot of ways because the Phantom Menace was Sidious. And the Phantom Apprentice is, of course, Anakin, And, and it's one of those things that he doesn't realize that he's the, uh, the apprentice the entire time. And I remember when everybody was like, when this title first dropped, everybody was like, oh, it's the mall episode. It's the mall episode. No, this episode's about Anakin. That's what this entire episode is about. The reason they're fighting is about Anakin. The reason we have the Siege of Mandalore is all about Anakin. This is an Anakin Skywalker episode that's disguised yeah. as a Maul and Ahsoka one. And the, the, the,
2: yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, the title, I mean, yeah. At this, uh, uh, I, and I don't think you really, like, Think about it that way as much until after the other two episodes. But yeah,
1: I thought about it that way for the most Well, I, I think like, I oh, think in, this, epi- in <laughs> this
2: episode they were leaving it open to you know maybe you know maybe Maul will strike some deal with Ahsoka or some point and, and there's and it still could happen in the in the next two episodes theoretically, you know, for somebody watching for the first time. But yeah, yeah.
1: I just I think that's so brilliant it was it's my favorite it's probably my favorite title of Clone Wars it's the prequels so don't get
2: enough love in Star Wars I mean we're, uh, we don't really have <laughs> to getting, worry about they're that you are getting with more War.
1: love now with the sequel trilogy people are like oh it is brilliant <laughs> I'm not well, sure like that... some of my friends are just like no just the original trilogy thing cause everything else sucks except for rebels and I'm like what's wrong with you
2: yeah, People no, I, I I I like I you know I like in the in the Mandalorian where they have the the little droids from the you know pod races
1: the pit droids yeah.
2: you know I mean uh, uh, there there seemed o- like uh, really only the only uh, like in the sequel trilogies was only the Last Jedi had a couple a couple shots in it that 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 harken back to shots in 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 the prequel trilogy but like hearkening back to the to the feel and the you know the equipment of it and stuff is something i love and it seems like it's something people have been afraid to do because everybody talks shit about the prequel trilogy but i like seeing character uh, things from the prequel trilogy or i think that
1: actually could have been such a I, i still think one of the biggest missed opportunities and i'm sure this will come up when we do our trust commentary very soon is they constantly forget the OG Skywalker who is Shmi. Shmi is the OG Skywalker and she is constantly forgotten. And we wouldn't have an entire star Wars without her. Like she is the mother of the Skywalkers and she does not get enough love. And I, in, and I, I well, feel so like-
2: you're, a, you're a Jedi Catholic.
1: <laughs> I guess I guess I am, <laughs> but okay. also Padme like like Padme. So, so you're into not...
2: you're into the whole Mary thing, but like yeah, I mean there's there's other people who argue it was Sidious, you know, it was just like I put a baby in someone's belly.
1: No, but like she's the first to have the Skywalker name, and like Padme didn't get any love in the sequel trilogy either, and she's well, just her dad as... had it, huh?
2: Her dad had it. Pretty it sure. would be in nobody i
1: don't know what you're talking about her father
2: she must have got it from her father right or from however i don't know whoever uh, maybe or i don't know how maybe in her culture maybe it was a maternal name but there if there there had to be skywalkers I'm, before Oh, I'm talking,
1: i said padme
2: oh padme oh padme.
1: i was very confused i was like I was like, you know, the Naberis did have a role, but oh, it was a very minor role. Shmi. Okay. No, no, I said, uh, and Padme does, didn't get any love either, and she's just as important to the Skywalker narrative as well. I mean, Padme is well, incredibly I'm surprised important. There
2: hasn't been any exploration or focus on where Shmi came from and why she was chosen, or what was she chosen just because she was on Tatooine? No. it, Or was it, you know, her family was... You know I mean Palpatine was is got that sort of like weird Nazi eugenics thing going as of as of rise of Skywalker, you know, so why you know did he pick me because she had powerful midichlorians or maybe because she didn't and he wanted to put who knows uh, yeah, but that I that mean... that seems like they've explored every other sort of like thing you'd think they would have explored you know the past of the skywalkers and And, how and
1: and more about also where like i i think we don't know enough about anakin's time as a slave either i think that would be a very defining and telling thing and i don't i don't know this is if this is true or not so please don't quote me um because i i might have misheard this but i don't think anakin was even born on tatooine i think they were bought and bought and brought to to Tatooine, I could be wrong there though. But um, there was a time where they didn't even belong to Watto, you know. Uh, like that's he right, was they born belonged in,
2: to Gardula the Hut.
1: Yeah, and like they were, uh, they were. He was born into slavery, and I think that would be an incredibly interesting time to explore as well, because that's a very defining time for for him as well, as we've seen in other things of Star Wars. So, um, anyway, but. <laughs> you know, when I whenever I hear Maul talk about Kenobi and he was all like, Wait, what are you here doing here? So good I wanted Kenobi. <laughs> this time for some reason it flashed to the Brady bunch of me him going, Kenobi, Kenobi, Kenobi. <laughs> just Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. <laughs> he just he's in love with Kenobi. Um
2: Yeah, I like it's like some part of it was like Like, I think he was torn between wanting to, like, um, kill Kenobi. I mean, I think he wanted to get, like... I, I don't know if he was entertaining thoughts of making Anakin his apprentice, but that would have been probably a really bad idea, and he probably knew that. He probably knows he's out of his... If he's sitting, you know, on Mandalore... And feeling the tide turn because of Palpatine, he might not be much of a match for Palpatine. I, and, I
1: think he was trying to get his cake and eat it too. You know, he right, set all right. this he set all this up. He, to, I think he, he really set all this up to, to get Obi- Anakin Obi- there and he because want, he wanted Anakin. And if he happened to kill Obi-Wan, then that's great too. Yeah. <laughs> so
2: I, I don't think he was gonna try and get Anakin as an apprentice. I think if he killed Anakin, that would be an Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan would be like getting the guy who cut him in half and and then getting Anakin would be, you know, screwing the guy who manipulated him into getting cut in half. So it would have been a nice little twofer for him. But at the same time, he was probably thinking, yeah, there's probably about a 70 percent chance I'll end up dead. But, eh, you know, (laughs) who wants to live forever? You know, I might be better off dead. So, you know, it's sort of a anything goes sort of phase in the galaxy for everybody.
1: And then he loves like, What? Like another, like, what? 30 years or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 20 years, 30 years, something like that. So. Yeah. Well,
2: that's sort of his curse in life is he just keeps living.
1: <laughs> no, he's like a cockroach that you can't get rid of.
2: He's a cockroach <laughs> and just as die, but isn't suicidal and just keeps living. Yep.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, something that Maul said I found was fascinating um, I, because I think it shows how do, how do I want to put this? Um, I think it shows how Sidious managed information um, between all his apprentices because we've always said that Dooku's a stooge. He's always been a stooge. He was always a stepping stone. He was never going to be a big deal. But... He trusted Dooku with the information to run the Separatists, so that he trusted him with that information. And then we see Maul in this episode saying he was aware of the beginnings of what was happening, but he said he played his part, so it was clear that he didn't realize everything. And he he tells that to Jesse as well. He's like, you know, we all played our parts. Like I didn't I didn't become aware of the grander design until much later. And I, I think that's interesting because that shows how well Sidious has micromanaged his information because I have to wonder if maybe Maul was supposed to be the apprentice, the main guy, and then he laid his eyes on Anakin. And then he was just like, oh, no, bye, bitch, Maul. Yeah. But I, yeah, I, do, yeah. I, I do think that Maul I think, was I always think... supposed to be the guy until Anakin came into the picture.
2: I think there I think there were like probably dozens of potential the guys you know and i and God and, and, you, and, and by and if and step you step get step. if you get into <laughs> truss, you know Anakin might have been just one of many um lab expe- you know experiments and you know and he just knew but have have as many going on you know somebody's gonna bear fruit eventually, mm-hmm. and like I think. You know, Sidious was more keyed in to the, the, because he was actively participating in the dark side takeover, but he didn't know exactly how it would uh, turn out. He just knew to keep pushing everything in certain directions. And when the time was right, he would know who the, you know, I don't, th- I don't think he knew you know i don't think he knew probably for sure it was going to be anakin until they sat in the theater and had their little conversation and at that you know there's that tint that's like one of is in the prequels that's one of the best acted sequences and where like george lucas is writing actually like it's it's a tense sequence and i think a lot of it is because sidious also knows you know anakin could be trying to arrest him in a couple minutes so
1: that's that's actually a really interesting point um because we oh, oh gosh that's really interesting to think of because we know that sidious has been grooming anakin from a child but i'm wondering if like Oh, almost like the thrawn thing in the empire he's grooming anakin yeah. to be his apprentice but he's also getting him close enough that if anakin is just like no he can go all right and he eliminates the chosen one and he takes them don't, out right there don't uh, put all
2: your sith eggs in one sith basket you know? i, I, think, sure that's that's that's, I think, think that's why that's i think he's taking over the galaxy you know yeah keep it. Keep, think think big
1: yeah that's like i think that's such a razor edge that like he could groom anakin or destroy him because i i think he probably recognized right away when he first saw him in phantom menace like he might not have known he was the chosen one but he was like there's something special about you
2: yeah Anakin had the right (laughs) psychological like he had the right psychological and physical mix of midichlorians and and the right kind and amount of psychological damage to make him perfect for for Sidious, you know.
1: And poor Maul too, because like Maul, we we know from the comics, from the I think it I think it's Son of Dathomir that he raised Maul too. Like he got Maul as a child, and poor Maul was raised as a child. He really probably like. Like Sidious filled his head with delusions of grandeur that he was going, he was going to be the one, and then he was just like, "No, bye, bitch! I have this new child now." (laughs) Poor Maul, he just can't win. Um, God, it's, I I love it. It's so good. There's so much here. It's so good um I like just the little tie-ins to episode three just so we know where we are like Dooku is now dead and Anakin is about to watch Space Search Soleil that night (laughs) I like those like little tie-ins okay here's my one of my pin things the scene with Obi-Wan and Anakin or Obi-Wan and Ahsoka um I don't feel like we were able to have the full conversation about it so uh I I don't see what you were seeing I I don't I, I don't see any part of that as the the, the negative ending that you saw. Um,
2: I didn't say it was negative, but I'm saying her guard is still up. She's not like she's not like uh, like because because I think what Obi-Wan was try- like, I think more Obi-Wan was like, you know, look, you and I both like care about Anakin in the same way. I think that's what Anakin thought she was saying but it might not have been the same thing you know it, she she might have wanted to tell um, um obi-wan to watch out for um watch out for um darth sidious <laughs> you know she might have she might have been wanting to pass along it, it's, it's something that could have been like information that could have helped anakin like giving him a clue as to like you know help to make the connection between sidious and you know she 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 who knows you know but but obi obi-wan sort of and, and like the way he did it was sort of stopping her from you know he was uh don't say it i know and i think she wanted to say it <laughs> You know, and then there was that moment of like, oh, should I? Nah, I'm just going to drop it, you know? And, but I I, I don't think the tension, I don't think the tension with her and Obi-Wan is necessarily gone now, you know? I'm, it it was nice that there was a little, little bit of mending going on, but I don't think it was, you know, I think, I mean, I don't know if anything that goes on in this time period can't be fraught with te- a little bit of tension. You know what I mean?
1: Okay. Here's my reading of that scene. Um, it's the complete opposite of everything you just said. <laughs> I I saw that as the guard coming down um, at at the end because we have you know we we have them doing their duty. And, you know, they're like swapping this information, both katan and Rex in there. They're swapping this info and stuff like that. And then when Anakin wants to talk to, not Anakin, when Obi-Wan wants to talk to Ahsoka alone, um, we see that her guard is still up. She is still angry at the Jedi. She's angry at him for not defending her. But they're both talking because they both love Anakin and they love him very much. And I, they still love each other. I think that's where so much of the hurt feelings is because that's her grand Jedi master. You know, she loves Obi-Wan. Hold on, let me finish. Um, Like they still, they have this love between them. And then I think that's where we get the apology because her guard is heightened. It's up. She's like, I don't know why you're telling me these things. Why are you doing this? I'm not here. And he says that, oh, what was the the, the exact line? Um, He says something that, he says that the council is not right. And that's why he's asking her to do this. That's why he's asking her to talk to Anakin because the council's not right. He is aware that Anakin's not trusting the council either. And he's not going to listen to him or the council. But I do think him saying Ahsoka, the council is not right, is him also saying, I was not right either. And I think that is the Whoa. apology. Because, hold on, and that's that's when she lets her guard down. You know, she looks at him. She she sees him and she's like, I will speak to Anakin. And and he and she that's when she finally opens up and has that guard where she's like, tell Anakin. And he goes, I know. And I I, I think that is the mending. And I, I don't think it's I think that's where the guard is lowered. And they get those. That's the closest thing they ever get to apology because everything's about to go to shit, <laughs> of course, because everything dies in the next episode.
2: But I I think that was as close to the I I mean, I think it was an apology also. But I think like she's ready to be totally like lay all the cards out on the table. And that was like, Obi-Wan is just never going to 100 percent. He's still got a percentage of weird Jedi counselness to him. And I and where he was just like, I know, you know, was just sort of. It was it was a little patronizing, you know. I
1: don't take it that way at all. I,
2: I, I, I took it I took it as she was just like this guy's just never gonna like completely ever be. I mean, I mean that's not something that's not prote- I mean, it's just baked into Obi Obi Wanness. But I don't. I think she, there was a little bit of just like he's he's never gonna like just. Come completely you know and 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 just be honest, and that's because also obi wan is still a Jedi, and she's not <laughs> so she has a little more latitude to do that, but I think she wants him to be a little more like Anakin, you know, and i don't just don't think he can, you know I don't know yeah. that's my take, but that's what you get with being able to make these great enigmatic faces and expressions on. On CGI characters that are just as uh, expressive and interesting what, as human faces in a what lot do of you ways.
1: Think, what do you think, listeners? Do you think? Do you agree with Chris? And this was Ahsoka's guard coming up, and she thinks Obi Wan's a lost cause who will never be walking away from the Jedi. Or do you think this is the mending scene where her guard finally comes down to Obi-Wan and she's at least accepting him as an individual? Or do you think something else? Leave us I a don't comic. think her
2: guard's completely up, but I don't think it's completely down either. I think she's still like, ah, uh, he's still he's still a Jedi, you know.
1: I I think she loves I think that she still loves Obi-Wan very much too. Well, um, yeah, all that's
2: and, all that's in play. I mean, yeah. it's this is family drama, you know.
1: Yeah. Um but anyway, um, I my next note is I spent this entire episode so scared for Jesse. How silly was I, Henry Gilroy? Henry Gilroy, you devious man! And I will come back to why I said that in the next two episodes. <laughs> see, I
2: don't think I. You know, see, I don't think you've been silly for like be, feeling the, you know, the 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 hammer of death over any of the characters and especially (sighs) like especially especially with stuff like rex and in rebels and stuff like that like i i I mean at this point in the story like really it's it's a hundred percent believable that jesse could have just gotten tossed out a window by maul or something i have a
1: very specific jesse story with henry gilroy one-on-one talking with him at dragon con (laughs) I have a very specific story that I'm going to talk about later. The one
2: where you put the knife up to his neck and said, nothing's going to happen to Jesse, is it?
1: No, I didn't do that. No, um, uh, 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 <laughs> okay, I might as well tell it now, but I'm going to probably bring this stuff up. Nothing's
2: going to happen to it. Jesse, is it? Henry Gilroy of 122 Elmwood Lane.
1: No, so, uh, Henry Gilroy was at DragonCon, and he was at his table in Artist Alley, and we were, I, I came by, and we were talking, and there was nobody else around, and I had asked him, um, because at this time, uh, we had seen Rebels, Rebels was out and running and stuff like that, this, this wasn't last year, it was the year before, so two years ago, um, and I, ha- I was like, well, you know, we know that like Kix makes it to the sequel trilogy and Five's, of course, dead. And, you know, we this was when we just had Bad Batch story reels. And before the sh- season seven wasn't even announced, I was like, we know that, you know, Echo's in the Bad Batch story reels and stuff like that. And I go, but uh, the only Five First member that we don't really know what happens to is Jesse. And I was like, do we have the- do we know what happened to Jesse? And Henry Gilroy looked me right in the face and said, I can't tell you anything about Jesse. I'm sorry. And this, like, dread filled me, and I was like, What's going to happen to Jesse? Why can't you tell me anything about Jesse? Uh, oh, my God. And then, and because then, that tells me that he plays an important role. Like, he plays an important role, and he is still in play. And so. I don't know.
2: That might just be a blanket statement that they <laughs> give to people on any. They, they might not be able to say it, what happens to anybody. Well, later know.
1: on, that's funny, because later on that day, uh, somebody had asked him. Um, and, I, and I know this from Brian, our listener, Brian Webber, because I was working and I couldn't make this, but he texted me all the details. Um, somebody asked about uh, Order 66 and the clones and that there was a follow up order that if when the clones swapped over, if they had brothers who didn't uh, kill the Jedi, they had a sub order to get rid of those brothers. And when I linked the two of those together, I was like oh no Jesse he either was a suborder was killed or he is a killer and I was like oh god Jesse and you know what I was right <laughs> <laughs> so going into the season you know like I was Jesse was the clone that I was watching which is actually this is a really nice segue into my next note um, Jesse was a clone I was definitely watching because I was like okay we know we're, what happens to everybody else what but, but him and he is going to be somehow important this season and I don't know how but he will play a role and I think Jesse, Jesse is such an interesting character here, too. Um, he's been a staple of the 501st since season two when he first appeared in The Deserter. He is the one that is almost executed alongside Fives and the ambar arc. So I would say after Rex and Fives, he's probably the most well-known of the clones um, that are just kind of like background characters. And I think he's a really interesting character here because being one of the older clones, and they even say that he's an older clone, he knows who is Sefka, Ahsoka and uh, Anakin are, and he also knows about Rex. And those are the three people that right now Maul really cares about. He needs to know who this Sokotano bitch is. He needs to know who more about this Anakin bitch. And he needs to know about this Rex bitch because this Rex bitch is leaving a military to fight his Maul DeLoreans. And so, like these, so Jesse is a really good person to play in this role. And I'm glad that they didn't. Leave him here. And we actually had, like, narratively speaking, we brought Jesse back to remind the people of, like, hey, this guy's been around for a while now. We should care for this guy. He is one of the older people. He's been here since season two, which makes the next two episodes hurt even more. (laughs) It hurts so much. So, yeah, like, I... Jesse is such an interesting choice of character to have here. Um, And to not have him being, like, you know, when the clones off with Anakin or whatever. Like, he is one of the people who has been with us this entire journey. He was there when Fives died. He was there on Umbara. He was there uh, fighting Krell. He was there... He was with us just now trying to rescue Echo back in the Bad Batch arc. Like, he's been a staple this entire time, even though, though he's one of the smaller staples. And I think he's... He play finally gets to play his role in the next two episodes, and it hurts my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> so those are all my... Those are all my thoughts. Uh, but I, I think Jesse's a very... Not, he doesn't have the importance of fives, and he certainly doesn't have the importance of Rex, but he does have his role to play in this last arc, you know? When it hurts my feelings. <laughs> He's the one I cried for. He's the one I cried for 12 minutes for. <laughs> I love Jesse. Um, do you have anything about Jesse before going?
2: No, not really. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's
1: fine. That's fine. I mean, you guys know I love my clones. I absolutely love him. Um, again, I love that we see Paul Bettany. <laughs> um, I I continue to love what this this season does as tie-ins for Solo. I help. I think it helps build the importance of Solo, and I like seeing the the um ancillary content connecting with each other. Um, I think it's really cool to see. I honestly didn't think Crimson Dawn was up and running so early back during the Clone Wars. Um, we, we said this in the, the Martez sister arc. I was I was actually, I'm still quite surprised to see that it's running this early, but I think it just shows the brilliance of Maul, you know?
2: Well, something like Crimson da- Dawn is child's play for Maul.
1: That, I mean, that's one of his children, though. He created it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's his child. His weird... Vision Paul Bettany Child. <laughs> All right. So the narrative foils of Maul and Where do you want to start?
2: Yeah, they, they remind me a bit of Ezra and Ahsoka.
1: Yeah, I want to hear this Ezra thing because the way... The the quick way you touched on it, um, I I I need more details because I'm not quite well, sure. Well, Ezra what, and Ahsoka
2: were very and and Rey too, an, uh, also are they're 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 not as they they are not as malleable to the dark side. Maybe Ahsoka is a little more because of the time period that she's in, but still, <gasps> oh,
1: they the, just the way us? they
2: deal with Maul is is.
1: Do you mean that's how how you were saying during Rebels how Ezra can touch on the dark side and come back?
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh. They,
3: they, can, they can, they can, they can,
2: they can sort of deal with Maul a little better without having to really. They have a little. They have a. They're not as mentally broken as like Luke and Anakin were. So they they're just way they're they're way less resistant to they have less they 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 can deal with the dark side but they don't really have the they're 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 strong and confident in their non-dark side tendencies you know
3: gotcha. they don't have okay. the internal
2: struggle that's like i don't know should i go to the dark side you know or anything like that they they they, they, they and they don't like they aren't like but i won't Completely avoid it. You know what I mean? They'll face it when it's there, but they have enough confidence that they're not going to get, you know, they might get, they might get killed in a battle or something, but they're not going to get their, you know, their, their foundation of goodness is enough to keep them from the dark side. You know, they don't have the necessary weak, like amount of weakness in them to be truly like, at risk with sith you know except in a battle sort of way you know but you don't have to worry about their souls <laughs>
1: gotcha gotcha yeah no i i do well, i was not getting what that when so ignore my, when earlier when i was saying i disagree with chris because i do actually agree oh. with that <laughs> oh. um i was i was missing that that last little piece of info that we can't get in the 30 seconds of us babbling through commentaries um, no i i think that's a very valid point i think that's a really good point because that is a strength of Ahsoka, Rey, and Ezra, is that they can. And, and I think it's a strength of the, because I, I would throw Kanan and Kanan in on this too. Um, I don't think Kanan is quite as as flexible as the other three because he still had that kind of Jedi doctrine growing up. But all of these new, and we've said this before in our coverage of Rebels, from the Rebels time period, the the post Order sixty six Jedi are all people who are a lot more balanced because they are more human beings. You know, they're more open to their emotions. They're more open to their attachments. And that is, we see a strength of theirs. And I would even throw Luke in on that as well because we see Luke touch the dark side in uh, Revenge of the, a uh, known uh, Return of the Jedi, um, where he's like, you know, like wailing on Vader and then he just stops and he throws his lightsaber away. That's Luke. Um, that was Luke falling into the Jedi and then, or, I'm sorry, falling into the dark side and then casting it aside. And it's a strength of these post-Order 66. Yeah, but 66, was Luke it uh, came back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but as a moment of weakness and he recognized that. But definitely with Ahsoka and Rey and Ezra to where, you know, they can actually use the dark side as a temporary strength and then fall back into their light, which is a really cool strength that these three have. So absolutely, I totally agree with you. I just didn't have that last little chunk of information to go. Oh, this is what you were talking about. I thought you were talking about something else.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I was just talking about the, the general like deal. I think I, I mean, I think what put Ahsoka in that place was leaving the Jedi Order. You know, she absolutely. hung around Ventress a little bit, and you know, and
1: you know, and I so... it's so funny because I was actually right. <laughs> Your favorite episode, Chris? Um, I was watching the Lerman episode last night. <laughs> 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 Your lovely. Well, Lerman. good
2: for you, Hope.
1: <laughs> no, because I, I, I was guesting on a show last night, and we were hopefully going to talk about the Lermans, but we just didn't get to it. Um, so I wa- rewatched the Lerman episode to read to go back to it. But I think it's that's something that's always been in the episode, because what was so fascinating about that episode is Isla Sakura was just like, so we're going to leave your master um, and he might die while you're gone. And she was like, I'm sorry, excuse me, bitch. Yeah. Um, so I think that's always been something in Ahsoka for her to see the faults of the Jedi. And even in that episode when she was like, okay, I see what you're saying, Master. The Force needed me to be in this different place. But I think that was always there, you know? I think there was always that kind of questioning of the Jedi ways. And I don't think she would have done it if Anakin wasn't her master. I think if anybody, if Plo Koon, Obi-Wan, if anybody else was her master, she wouldn't have done that. But yeah. Anakin taught her to question and taught her to been the rules and if if not for that she probably would not be in this position at all she probably would have died with the rest of them
2: yep i don't think i i'll i also think if say anakin had been turned earlier he wouldn't have been able to like influence her as an apprentice into the dark side
3: either
1: Mm
3: -hmm. oh yeah
1: you would have, I, I kind of wish I did get a chance to talk to the, uh, talk about Lerman last night. We were talking about it in a very interesting context, but we just didn't get to it. <laughs> and you would have loved it because it was all about trashing Pappy Lerman.
2: <laughs> oh, good.
1: Um, the topic was uh, the Lerman, particularly the idea of pacifism and nonviolence being a privileged political position and possibly just as harmful as violence itself.
2: Oh, wow.
1: <laughs> I could dig get into that. It. Yeah, I could we dig into get that. We didn't get to
2: it. <laughs> I don't know if I agree or disagree with that, so it sounds interesting.
1: Uh, it was interesting rewatching those episodes. Um, but yeah, it's like talking about pacifism from a, a place of political privilege. And <laughs> sadly, waiting. But check out the Katana cast, guys, because I was on the Katana cast, um, and that episode is definitely out by now. And I was with my lovely non-binary pal Ian and my lovely gay pal Ben and my lovely sister with saber Maria. Um, so check them out. They're lovely. Go watch the Katana cast. They're very, they're if you like super politics in your star Wars, definitely listen to them. That's a <laughs> the place to go. Yep. Absolutely. Um, anyway, so Mauna Soka literary foils. Oh my God. Um, I never thought I would be at a place where I go, oh my god, Maul and Ahsoka are like the same person. Just, they're they're two sides of the exact same coin. And we often talk about that with the Jedi and Sith, about how they're the same coin. Um, and it's so fascinating because they really have had the exact same trajectory. You know, they're both built up to be these great things. We saw like, you know, constantly throughout the, the Clone Wars, the Jedi just being like, Especially the slaver arc. The slaver arc is a really good example of that. Because um, at the end of that arc, when Ahsoka saves her people from slavery, the Tagruda leader guy was like, oh, you're such a pride of your people. And there's Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Plo Kroon, her three gay dads, just being like, yes, our daughter will make a great Jedi. And she just has this of like, oh, thanks, gay dads. I love you. Um, but, like, they, she's been built up this entire time, especially, I think, being the Padawan well, of the she's
2: Tros- the, she's the Padawan of the... of the the chosen one and he's the padawan of or the the apprentice of the the head sit the you know the big cheese sith of all time yeah yeah they're they are they're you know it's 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 a battle of the vice presidents it's the vice presidential debate
1: (laughs) (laughs) but uh it was so interesting because way better
2: than a vice presidential debate by the way
1: Uh, i know not enough flies (laughs) But um what was what's so interesting because that's how Maul was also brought up. He was raised with these delusions of grandeur and they both got cast out by their and that's why I like that line where Maul said justice is the construct of those in power. Because what is justice to either of them? Because both of them were served a disjustice by the people who are in power. You know, they have both this like really unique view of everything that's happening and everything that's going on. And I still think, like, I love watching, I love, like, looking at, like, Maul and Ahsoka team up AUs because they are very interesting characters who have had very similar journeys.
2: Well, yeah, neither neither of them really were an instrument of, I mean, Ahsoka was supposedly an instrument of justice, and sometimes she was, but, you know, there's a good argument to be made that neither of them were an, ever an instrument of justice to begin with, and at least Maul and never had the um pretense of being that you know where yeah. ahsoka is a jedi so she's supposed to be you know but you know what's what are these space space monks doing fighting a war you know it's like getting an army of Buddhist. it's like a bunch of buddhist monks saying we got a robot army let's go fight the nazis in world war Two or something you know it doesn't make sense
1: yeah um, and, and there's just also something so interesting, like, I'm going to preface this by saying, yes, I know Maul is in episode one, but he doesn't do anything in episode one other than look cool. But so like when we really take where Maul actually gets to really be a character is really in Clone Wars and Rebels. And both of these characters have almost always existed in in the in between, um, they're in between these movies. This is where the the two characters have gotten to flourish, and I think that's a very fascinating thing because they're also this in between of the Jedi and the Sith. They're not neither of them are Jedi, neither of them are Sith anymore. They're they're just kind of these Force users also living in the in between as well. Yeah. And, And so, like, it not only, like, works, like, in the structure of the story where they both flourish, it just works for them as characters as well. And they continue to flourish in the in-between, which I think is something that becomes so fascinating with both of them in Rebels. Maul flat out says, no, Darth, I'm just Maul. And we see Ahsoka say, I'm no Jedi. You know, they both are on these journeys to where... They're so parallel, but eventually they finally split. Where of course Maul goes into death, and Ahsoka goes and becomes Gandalf the White. But I, I think they're just so fascinating together because they're pretty much the same character, just on the different sides of the coin. And they're so beautiful to watch, like side by side together. And I love them. It's this writing is so deep on so many levels. Yep. I told you I had a lot of things about this episode, Chris. We're not like, what, like halfway through our notes and it's almost 10 (laughs) o'clock. Um, I just wanted to throw this out. Um, and I mentioned this where Ball says it's not the way of your people to hide here in the gutters unless we're in the Mandalorian. But that was their survival tactic. And you know what happens when they came out of the gutters? They all died just like they did in this episode. Anyway.
2: (laughs) Yeah, they Um, don't worry about dying, though. That's okay it's hmm. how you die that's important to them so they'd rather so yeah
1: that's true they kind go of got like what some... they
2: got what they they got what they wanted they they died in battle instead of being in the gutters hiding so so yeah <laughs> i mean it's it sounds less awful i guess if you're a mandalorian <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: um yeah that yeah yeah um this is probably my like other than all my shallow Bo-Katan notes. I love the scene where Bo-Katan, it's right before the throne scene, the throne room scene, where they're looking down at the people and the clones are kind of ushering the people to like safe places. And Bo-Katan's like, oh, my people are pissed. But she said last episode, Almec was like, if you bring the Republic there, you're going to lose your people. And she says, I can live with that. But it's really interesting. I love seeing that that scene of her watching the people because you can almost see her kind of regretting it. And this is all just a lot of setup for for sure Rebels, but possibly oh, yeah. the Mandalorian too, um, because she is the reason that everything in Rebels happens in the first place. Because she brings the Republic there, there, and when the Republic transitions over to the Empire, they're already there, and that happens like three days from now or something like that. Um, so it's it's really interesting, because I think because the Empire, because of her and she brought the eventual empire there, I think seeing that hesitation is why we see her in rebels not wanting to take the dark saber, you know um and it's 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 a really cool moment of her starting to see be like, "Am I doing the right thing? Well, here we are. <laughs> My next note is look at sexy Spiky boy sitting on that throne. This man is so sexy. my follow up note is while speaking all of the truths,
2: <laughs> yeah, for the most part he is he doesn't have all of it, but he's definitely uh on the right track
1: yeah 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 what did what did I write here Hold on the me, right
2: wait. wavelength.
1: I need to read this note because I don't remember why I wrote this one. Okay, I remember why I wrote this note. Okay, so, sorry. Um, hi, this is about as political as I'm going to get on the show. Just morning. Hope it's about to be a touch political. Um, Maul says a very specific line in the throne room scene where he says, the Republic has already fallen, you just can't see it. And that line felt very 2020 to me. It felt so timely. Because I think something that this year, like whether it be um, everything that's happened with protests, the pandemic, the the election, everything, this year has amplified the faults that were already in our country. And it shows what happens when systemic corruption is only treated as a symptom and it ignores the deeper problems and it comes to a head when you have the right person there. And is that not what the Clone Wars is? Is that not what Padme's story was? Padme's story was saying, hey, we have to deal with these bigger political issues. The Jedi are going, you know, we understand that slavery is a thing, but we have a war, so we can't address these things. And like all these problems... And that was the whole point of the Clone Wars was all these problems were there in the Star Wars universe. The corruption was there. There's a reason the Separatists left in the first place because they thought. And All oh, the forgot, betrayal. Yeah, like the Separatists thought the Republic was corrupt, which is why they left in the first place. And oh my God, are the Separatists right? Because they kind of are. Um, and, and so that's so interesting. And all they needed was the right person in a place of power, which was Palpatine. And once he took power, he was able to amplify all the things that were already problems in the Republic. And all he did was just go, look at all this, and everyone fought over it. And all he really did was just sit back because the problems were already there. And all he did was just put a spotlight on it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this, this, I mean, for one, I I mean, yeah, it totally does sync up with today. But just the I mean this kind of political intrigue to the story, I mean, you know, twenty years ago was when the prequels came out, and George Lucas was had all, all these themes that we're talking about now were were poking around in in episode one through three and throughout the whole Clone Wars. So it's it's almost like it's almost like you can't go wrong with that sort of storyline because it's based on, you know, it's based on his history, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and cycles of power it cycles and the, of politics and the, and the nature of power is all baked in there. And, you know, it's a, it's a kid's action movie, but you know, all that stuff comes out in it and, and, uh, like that's i i think that's a testament to the strength of of just star wars in general and its lore that like i mean when episode three came out people were like this really feels of of the moment and it still does you know so Mm -hmm. it's it's uh it's i i don't think people give george lucas enough credit for laying the foundation to to all this, you know, and setting setting the precedent with it, and they don't give enough credit to the to the prequels, you know.
1: I, I where, you know and I and a lot of that
2: to... that political intrigue is paying off in stuff like in Clone Wars specifically.
1: You know, I I I feel that too. I think so many people, um, it, you know, I I've said it before, I love I love the Phantom Menace. I'm a prequel stan. I I love these movies, and I think. People get so caught up with like the wooden acting, the poorly written romance. They they get caught so caught up in that stuff that they're not willing to see the deeper things, you know. And, and there, those are valid criticism. And I'm not saying like you know they shouldn't be criticized. Right. They should. <laughs> they absolutely should. Yeah, but I should. mean.
2: I mean, but, in the days following first my first viewing of episode one, my friend Mark and I were sitting there talking about the politics involved in it and going, well, you know, if this and this and that, you know, so it was very, I mean, we were both super Star Wars nerds, so that helped on it, but that stuff was all there, you know. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of people going, what the hell are you guys talking about? And we're like, it's, it's in the movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, like it, it it is all there. And, you know, when I see these people like these like articles written about how like Sidious is one of the greatest villains of all time. He is a very black and white villain in the original trilogy. What makes him one of the greatest villains of all time is the prequel trilogy. It's Clone Wars. It's it's that stuff that where we see how he became the Emperor and what made him brilliant. He is just this kind of like cloaked figure that's just like do it, do it, kill, kill Vader. Like that's all he is. He's not this brilliant tactician that we see him moving the chess pieces around.
2: No, they they really messed with people's heads because. I mean, well, you know, Ian McDermott's a great actor, and I mean, he start. I mean, he 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 created the character, but like when they brought him in to, you know, episode one when he's just uh, Senator Palpatine, I mean, he comes off as a little effeminate, and and like, and I know he's playing a, he's playing his part and being, the, but a lot you. of people are just like, this guy's gonna be the emperor, and it's like, yes, the, this this little. This little sort of soft British guy and this little kid are going to wreck shit, you know, mm-hmm. and and you can't see it because it's a little kid and this like kind of wimpy senator guy. And it's it's kind of beautiful. You know, everybody's like, oh, Anakin's so corny. And it's like, yeah, you you." <laughs> You could be playing with some little cor- corny kid that could grow up to be a serial killer or commit war crimes. You know, that's quite a statement. <laughs> I... <laughs> and I mean, purposely, George Lucas was making that statement. He said, you know, that he was.
1: I'm laughing. I'm sorry. I'm laughing because I remember this. Po- I don't remember what podcast it was. Uh, it was probably Lousy Beautiful Town. Cause this sounds like something they would say. But they had a whole thing of just being like, serial killers. They were kids too, you know?
3: <laughs> yeah, they all were. Um,
1: yeah, and I just, I, I think, I think there is, you know, rightful criticism of like some the, like some of the execution of the prequels. But I think there is a level of people getting so caught up in that they they can't see the forest for the trees, you know? They can't. They're not willing to revisit those, to relook at them, to analyze deeper, to see that, because they're just like, oh, well, Hayden Christensen was rough, was acting, and the romance was terrible, and they don't get past that. When there is... I, I, I love the prequel era because there's so much there. You have politics, you have Jedi, you have Sith, you have the Clone Wars, you have war stories, you have refugees, you have slavery, yeah. you have indigenous people, you have like you have diversity, like there's so you have you have victims of the war, like with the trip. like there is so much there and it's none of it's black and white. Which as much I I as what I love rebels, but like one of the reasons I I find the original trilogy almost a little too simple because it's a very black and white story. You have the empire and you have the rebels, you know who's who. But I love the messiness of the But that's a
2: starting point. That's a good starting point. Yeah, they used it as a starting point. And that's a and like it's very similar.
3: It's very similar to
2: Harry Potter in a lot of ways where the harry potter the first harry, uh, harry potter books became more morally and just literally you know they became more complex as they went along yeah because the people who were reading them were getting older and more complex so all of a sudden things started getting you know things started get as it as it went along things got messier and messier because that's wanna, the way it is and i wanna-
1: pull Clone Wars out of this conversation for a second because the other like the other argument I always hear is like oh well Clone Wars is what did that no the messiness of all of this is in episode one it's in episode two and it's in episode three Clone one Wars is,
2: would not have been able to do that without having the,
1: the groundwork that,
2: late. Uh, all the groundwork set up for it I
1: mean, so Yoda you know. says flat out in the prequel movies I have trouble sensing the dark side. Something is happening. I'm losing, like, we're losing this connection with the Force. You see Palpatine whispering in Sabe's ear, because Sabe's pretending to be Padme, whispering in her ear, telling her to out the Chancellor so he can take that place. And Sabe, who we know is a bisexual queen, is in this horrible position of power where she can't contact uh, Padme, and she has to make the choice for the entire galaxy. Right, right. you know, and she's a hand, she's a very well-trained handmaiden, but she, she has to make those political choices. You see these, like, you know, that's the whole point of the blockade. You get into, like, uh, the older things where, like, Anakin is having to question his attachments and, like, just questioning the, or- the nature of the order itself and questioning the-, the already council who is taking these clones who are bred to die. And, you, like, I think you were the one that said it. When you first heard the term attack of the clones, you didn't think the clones would be going to the good guy. yep you got that yeah i mean so like we have who should be the good guys and the beast taking living cannon fodder and sending them to die like the messiness is there in the movies clone wars just amplifies it and makes it more fine-tuned and like so i just it makes it makes me like it makes me really upset when people get so caught up with just like The surface level and and I don't want to say that it's not valid. It's a very, they are all very valid criticisms and they are right ways to look at the movies. But that said, I mean, I think that's where so many people get caught up in it that they don't revisit the nuances of what made the prequel so great. Versus the and the, the simplicity of the original trilogy is not bad either. It's a strength of the original trilogies is that it's a very simple story.
2: Hey, we it, get to we get to enjoy ourselves talking about this stuff for five years. They get to cry about how they didn't like Anakin's act, you know, Jake Lloyd's acting. You know, I I prefer my path.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah, poor Jake. And Lloyd. I mean, if you
2: don't like it, you don't like it. But it's just like. Like I don't know. I don't think these movies were out to hurt anybody. Mm
1: mm mm mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. Um. Really, my uh, my last kind of I don't want to say it's a big note. Um. I always jokingly called this episode the anti My Little Pony episode. And what I mean by that is, um, again, Maul is right. <laughs> Maul is right. Yeah. But because he's a villain, our characters don't believe him. And if, if, if the very base premises of My Little Pony is friendship is magic and love and friendship saves the day, and they like the magic of friendship is what constantly saves Equestria over and over and over again. Here, love and friendship is what dooms the galaxy. Ahsoka loves Anakin so much and believes in him that she, yeah she she knows that he has ego, she knows he has faults, but she doesn't think that he would you know turn into a Sith Lord, and it's her love for Anakin. Is what dooms the galaxy, <laughs> and so I love. Oh, to I don't play. know. I don't.
2: I don't know if she could necessarily have helped Anakin at this point. Like, if she had gotten loose and gotten to go talk to him or something, I'd, I. think. I think that's, she's. I the think one we're that. that has... That's that point where on the slippery slope, everything's sliding down it, and she's ah. along for the ride, and it's just yeah. like. It's the cruel irony of it that she knows. But like the 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 winds of the Sith fate are going to keep, you know, you know, she you know, she goes through her own version of what's going on over with Anakin, and Obi-Wan and Sidious and stuff there. But it's it just it's yeah, it's just it's too late now, like. You know, I, the fact, the like Maul is like, I think I think this has happened. And if he thinks it's happening from across the galaxy, then it's already it's already happened. You know what the, I
1: mean? You know, no, here's my thing. This is the I think at this particular point, I, I think two episodes from now. Yes, you're right. But I think in this particular point, I disagree only because of the importance of the Obi-Wan conversation earlier which was Obi-Wan knows that Anakin is not trusting the Council, and he knows that something is up, which is why he specifically asks Ahsoka, because Ahsoka is removed from the Jedi, she's removed from the Council, and he and we saw it last episode. The, like, so, uh, Anakin was just like, Ahsoka's here! Ahsoka's no,
2: here! Oh no, no, no. Psychologically, Ahsoka hold could on, on. totally keep yeah, Anakin I, from turning.
1: And I think that's why, like, if if she had the chance, and, and we'll, we'll see this, like, in this episode, and then, of course, in the next episode, she misses talking to Anakin by seconds. By seconds, she misses talking to Anakin.
2: I think she has the, would have had the ability if she met up with Anakin to help him. But I don't think... I think by this point, it's too late. Like... I think that the 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 as as a Jedi as someone more aligned with like not aligned with the dark side the dark side has the advantage now and the 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 wi- winds and tides of the force are pushing it, it's 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 going to keep you know the like maybe Anakin had the agency not to turn, but that was up in that was only going to be decided by Anakin at that moment with Sidious. So, like, I don't think the Force would let <laughs> Ahsoka get back to. I think everything is everything is going off like a like a piece of machinery uh, to keep us, you know, to to like have her just being that 10 seconds everything is like 10 seconds away from everything that could have happened was like all these things that were 10 seconds away from saving the galaxy and the you know the forward momentum was just already there so it's just this tragic you know tumbling of like galaxies going into a bad phase <laughs> you
1: know. i you know i said here, here's a fascinating question okay because of course like we we always know as the audience that this was always going to be the outcome because we already know that episode three is out do you think if this was made before episode three it would have a different outcome
2: i th- Mm, oh this like oh, if this, this was made maybe. in like
1: chronological, like if it was made in chronological order like we got episode yeah, one maybe. and yeah maybe i, I two think they
2: definitely would have made it differently but i think this turned out better having the hindsight in it because this feeds feeds it it makes it more like if they if they'd made it just like this and it came out before revenge of the sith they would have had to like release them at the same time though, because it would have been spoilery a little bit. It would have been a lot spoilery. But if they if they had rele- if you watched this or say you hadn't watched episode three in the prequels and didn't know what happened in them and watched this before it, I think this would um um maybe diminish a little bit of. It, 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 it might, well, it's hard to say. It might It might play into making it, because episode three, even though I knew the ending, when I sat there watching it in the movie theater, emotionally, I still felt that Anakin could go either way, and I was rooting for him not to fall for the dark side. So it was mm-hmm. very effective in in that, you know, that it, here Anakin could go both ways, and you mm-hmm. know he's got to be in the Darth Vader suit in 20 minutes because you're almost yeah. out of the movie. So, so it's hard to say they could have like, I'm, I'm glad they didn't cause they could have kind of not ruined episode three. I don't, I think if they made this before episode three and they were trying to lead it into episode three, it would have been more like interested in getting characters from one place to another to all line up. Whereas this one more gets to really like, squeeze the emotional juice you know what i mean that it really gets to so um i i i i think if they'd made it before they would have made it in service of episode three instead of like this where it's just sort of this amazing parallel to it you know Mm -hmm. this is this isn't in service of anything but the story you know there's no reason for that they're not releasing a new movie or anything this is here to wind up a story that they started so it 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 feels like that you know it feels Mm -hmm. it feels like it it does the wonderful parallel to episode three but it's about the characters from clone wars you know and Mm -hmm. it gives them their own you know the, their own version of what's going on—that's, you know, very va- like it makes sense. You know, it makes more—it it makes things make more sense. Yeah, I don't know if that really answers your question.
1: <laughs> no, 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 you're fine. Um, I I meant to note this earlier and I I forgot to. Um, because I I wanted to hear it myself. Um, so I just want to first start out saying that this fight with between Ahsoka and Maul. Does not take place the same time that Sidious is fighting Mace Windu and the other Jedi, because we find out that that happens in the next episode. So, right. this is uh, so like the fights do not take place at the same time, but a lot of fans are theorizing that this was a moment of the force echoing things to come. Because when Maul ignites his lightsaber and then he has that yell of just like Rah! and he like goes right into the fight, underneath Maul's yell, you can hear Palpatine scream as he starts to fight Mace Windu. And it's the exact same length and like people, like fans have like lined it up. It's the same scream and you can hear Palpatine screams underneath Maul's screams. Um and even though that the two fights don't take place at the same time. So fans have a theory that it was the force um, yeah. showing of things about to come and about to happen.
2: Yeah. It was like echoes of the future. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Force and it's me. really cool. It's sure, a really the force, cool. Moment. It, force is not constrained by time as we know.
1: No, it's all wibbly wobbly and timey wimey. But, uh, uh, and the, honestly, this is my favorite lightsaber fight of all of Clone Wars. And, it's probably it's it's definitely up there in my fights of all of Star Wars. It might be my number two, um, but this is this is such an amazing fight. I mean, it's so grounded. It's so like you know having Ray Park back doing uh, uh yeah, being no, Maul again. It's, it's, it's just it's so good.
2: I'm not a fan of lightsaber fights because. It's like this fetishized thing of like, ah, all I know is if a Star Wars movie has got to have cool lightsaber fights, well, a Star Wars movie doesn't need a lightsaber in it at all. You know, even though... Rogue
1: One proved that 95% of the movie until you got to the very end.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, but still, they can't do it. They can't do it. They cannot do it. They cannot do it ever. It's even in The Mandalorian. Even in The Mandalorian, we got a, a, a saber of some sort because so they just feel they got to do it. And so... Like, I, you know, I mean, the only lightsaber fights that I've ever gotten excited about were Star Wars, um, Empire, or Jedi, you know, all the ones that have an emotional, even the, 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 the lightsaber fight at the end of uh, Force Awakens is great because everybody's, you know, it's, 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 not, it's not a cool battle you know it's not a parkoury flippy thing it's not you know a show offy sort of thing it's it's the characters fighting and their 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 different motivations all coming together you know and and all that so it works better and that's what this one is this is one of those lightsaber fights where it has more meaning besides just a cool battle who's going to win you know it's 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 you know got that's what lightsaber fights are to me instead of just like a thousand jedi but you know parkouring around mm-hmm. so i don't know if it i would yeah it's uh, it's up there amongst all my favorites so it's really good
1: yeah uh, it's it's i think the only one what like like i said this is probably my second i think the one that tops it for me is Twilight of the Apprentice with the Soka Invader. Um, for one, just the weight of that confrontation, but also the fact I waited a decade for it um, and to finally have it. Like I, I have a lot more emotions tied to that fight. Um, so yeah, that's yeah, all. That's I a good have. one too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's all I have for the Phantom Apprentice. Do you have anything else?
2: Ready to score it up?
1: Score it up, Chris.
2: Ten, 10. out of 10. 10 out of
1: 10! Why?
2: <laughs> it's, Everything it's we just great. said. It's great. <laughs> you you um, know why.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, how about my summary? Like, it's packed with so much. There is so much here in roughly 22 minutes, and I love how they take the conventional story and flip it on its head. Maul is right. He is right. But because he's the villain, no one believes him, and it's the best fight of all of Clone Wars, it there's just from the title, just the title that this episode is actually about Anakin, that this is an episode about Anakin Skywalker, but he's not even in the episode. Like there's so, it's so well-written. It's so emotional. It's so good. There's so much to it. I love it. (laughs) 10 out of 10. This is my 10 for 10 of the season. This might be your, this is your second 10 for 10 of Clone Wars. Ooh
2: of season seven you mean
1: no of all of clone wars you only have one one other
2: other 10 of 10 i'm gonna i'll probably have some more coming up here
1: okay because here's the thing and this is here's the follow-up question when we first did our first run of clone wars you didn't have a single 10 for 10 and i told you when we finished that first run if you hadn't had not did not have a 10 for 10 you had to go back and pick one and you did pick one and it was lair greedus and you chose that as your 10 for 10 as the first run does this outdo Lair? Oh Grievous? yeah,
2: yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, Larry Grievous is <laughs> Sorry, really cool. I had my favorite in it, but this is this is, I, I I'm I put up the experience of watching. I I think, and I haven't watched it all edited together yet, but I will be very soon in the next few weeks. <laughs> but I would say Phantom of Apprentice. I like it as a movie better than. Um at least two thirds of the sequel trilogy <laughs>
3: yeah
2: you know i mean Absolutely. as a as a movie it stands up there amongst the best star wars movie it's it's you it's a really it's a piece of work it's it, it it's very akin in a way to the marvel movies like the Avenger movies where they were they bring everything together and make it actually work and not just be like a real cool team up that this is like, all right, you know, there's a lot of fan anticipation for widening up the season and stuff like that. And they could have just done a very fan servicey sort of thing, but they really put a lot of thought into it. They really like made sure that they, they uh, took full advantage of, of all the groundwork- all the years of work they did instead of just sort of like, "Hey, this could be really popular, you know what i mean and mm-hmm. yeah they they uh, I mean they really like did a good job of making it star warsy they did what they do what they do best <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
2: and they 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 went the extra mile
1: <laughs> absolutely.
2: That's that's um, one of the things about Star Wars that is one of the key things that I love about it is the willingness to go the extra mile in and really working hard to do a good job. And I think this like they don't always succeed, but I think they really succeeded in spades here.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, as always, we would love to hear your feedback on iTunes, Twitter or on the two true two true freaks Facebook page. Um, the I'm sweet. not gonna- yeah, I'm not doing feedback this week just because um, I was looking for some feedback, and we're, since we're starting to catch up on ourselves and, you know, there's a lot of craziness going on in the world, um, there, I just wanted to give you guys just a little bit more time uh, to get yeah. in some feedback and stuff, because we're, And these you know, are going
2: to be kind of long episodes, too, so we might as well... Uh,
1: yeah, like give it a little, little breather, so, yeah.
2: I have some oh, bad news on the candy front. What? I have a candy that's knocked out of commission.
1: Knocked out of commission.
2: I got hungry last night, and I, you see the big blue one that says Danusia?
1: Uh... Oh! You ate it?
2: I, I, I pulled out half of it because I wanted, I was craving chocolate, and it looked like especially dark chocolate. Uh huh. Mine had mold on it oh real real mo- at first i i bit into it because i was like "Ah, oh, that's just cho- good chocolate will sometimes get that sort of white layer on it oh and then i started chewing it and i'm like this tastes like mildew
1: bro <laughs> well, i can almost so- smell it on mine
2: so that one's off the table. That one got a little old. I've never had candy do that, but
1: uh, yeah, I can almost smell it on mine, so we'll put that. So what we're doing is not eating moldy chocolate. Um, Chris hates American Kit Kats, so um, you want to do one of the the little Kit Kats? Um, I have a little pink one. Um, but uh, Chris hates American Kit Kats, so our friend Dario sends us candy from all over the world to review, and this week we are doing. Do you want to do the little pink? one? Sure. That looks like a strawberry cheesecake. Japanese yes. strawberry no, cheesecake. Yeah, it's got
2: strawberries on it. So Yay! I hope it's strawberry cheesecake because I love... Che- oh, it's got chocolate. Is that chocolate? Maybe that might be So strawberry. this is
1: going to be the strawberry cheesecake from Japan Kit Kat. Oh, it smells mm. like strawberry. Oh, mine's all crumbly. Oh, don't be crumbly on me.
2: They're, I think they're little pieces of strawberry, like that raspberry one. Remember we had that raspberry Ooh, one with the cheese? That was
1: so good. Uh, mine, mine's a little crumbly, so I'm trying to keep it on my desk. <laughs> oh, wow, mm. there are like little like raspberries on it. Strawberry. Oh, it is a little strawberry. Oh, my God.
2: It's
0: good.
1: Even, even being a touch stale, it's really delicious. I think our mm. fatal flaw with this box is... We got it, and we still had, like, half of the other box left, so it took us, like, an extra, like, three months to get to this box.
2: I know. I need to, Mm. like, I'm too lazy. I need to keep my chocolate in the fridge or in the freezer or something and just go get it when I do a show, you know? Mm
3: -hmm.
2: If we were really on the ball, we'd plan it out ahead of time. We'd just go to the refrigerator and get our show for that, but...
1: I mean, that's not that's us. That's not though.
2: how we do things here in class. We're not we one, of those, we're
1: not one mm. of those podcasters.
2: We're not one of those stupid podcasts that plans things.
1: You mean yeah. the smart podcasters that plan things because we're so bad at it? <laughs> mm. Oh, that strawberry cheesecake Kit Kat was delicious, though. Mm. All right. Well, thank you, Dario. We love you. All right. Well, Oh where can people find you, Chris?
2: You can find me at Two True and maybe even by the time I'm hoping by the time you hear this we'll have our new site up. It's very close at this moment. We're rushing to rushing to get it going. And that's at 2 truefreakscom You can sign up for our SS feeds there or at iTunes. And you can also find us on Facebook at the Two True Freaks podcast page, where we post all our shows up. And at the Two True Freaks Cantina, which is sort of our forum and hangout zone. And you can also find us on Twitter. And Twitter is... uh, Our Twitter feed is run by the incomparable Gene Gene, the lately voice acting machine. Lately, I just edited gene being a teenage senior play actor
1: a teenage senior play actor yep. god, god, god. teenage
2: oh. senior play actor oh, 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 oh. yeah no nah. <laughs> god. <laughs> god you grown-ups are dumb oh, gene
1: <laughs> i just probably sounded like i was hacking into the microphone i spat on my stick my my, my, my spit protector thing what is this oh. called my, uh, my, my pop mic that's what builder. it's there
2: for well good it did it's job I suppose uh,
1: that's what happens when you oh there's a little piece of Kit Kat on that too that's what happens
2: when you eat and podcast at the same time oh,
1: Gene <laughs>
2: anyway <laughs> Gene
1: Oh, well,
2: anyway, that's where they can find me. Where can they find you, Hope?
1: You can find me at JGuys and Jedi at Twitter. I run our Twitter account. You can also find me at Hope Next on Twitter. I, of course, have my website called geekygirlexperience.com, where I am currently writing Mandalorian recaps. And, well, I just wrote the first one to date this episode, so by, by the time this comes out, it'll be like oh, the season might be almost over. <laughs> so, good luck, everyone. Um, and, of course, Chris and I have another podcast called Hope Makes Chris watch cartoons, um, where we talk, it's an animation podcast, and we're currently going through Gravity Falls, and, ooh, ooh, by the time this episode comes out, Chris might be at the blank, the blank might have happened, and then the blank, and the blank comes, and then the blank, ooh, ooh, Chris is not gonna have his blank rock in the blank, a blank, a blank, ooh you want to know what I'm talking about... Sounds check
2: potentially out. great or potentially awful.
1: Blank, blank. So check out Hope makes Chris Watch Cartoons, which is our other podcast. All right, Chris. Next week is The Feelings. The Feelings Train with Order 66. <laughs> 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 I don't think... I, I, I got teary next week, but I don't think I think episode four is when I was just like. Episode oh. four
2: is I think when yeah like when we're gonna get tiers. the waterworks.
1: Oh my god! I just. We gonna... haven't
2: had waterworks since Brian was on.
1: Aww, that episode was so good, by the way. <laughs> it was I, I really enjoyed listening to that. All right, you guys. We will see you next week. Bye. Bye.
3: right, children. The lights are out and the party's
0: over. It's time for me, Dr. D, to start running and say goodbye for a little while. And I know you're gonna miss me, so I'll leave you with this. You know that big ball of radiation we call the sun? Well, It'll burst you into flames if you stay in one place too long. That is if the static don't get you first. So remember, even if you're dusted, you may be gone. But out here in the desert, your shadow lives on without you. This is Dr. Death Defying, signing off.